0: Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Sunday. Super excited because today we have a live recording, a live podcast that we recorded at our last women's breakfast here across all of our campuses. We had almost a thousand women in attendance. And I tell you what, every time we have a women's event here at Bethlehem Church— the women know how to show up, and we have a great time. We worship, we uh, learn, and we just have a great time of connecting with one another and glorifying God in in through it all. And so we just wanted you to hear it. If you missed it, if you weren't able to join us and be with us in person, here is a recording of our live women's breakfast here across all of our campuses at Bethlehem Church. Hope you enjoy it. God bless. Welcome, ladies. How's everybody feeling out there? It is so good to be with you ladies here at our women's breakfast and our live recording of Beyond Sunday. So you all get to be a part of this podcast. We're recording this. So we want to hear some energy. We want to hear some feedback and some hoops and some hollering. So what you got for me? <laughs> Ladies, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Angela Buckland. And not only do I get the privilege of hosting the Beyond Sunday podcast, I also get to work on the discipleship team here at Bethlehem Church. And what is discipleship? Discipleship is following Jesus and leading others to do the same. And that's what I get to do here. And I get to be a part of, it, part of an amazing team that creates resources, content to help you in your walk with Christ because that is what we are, that's, that's what we do. We love Jesus and we want others to love him too and follow him with all their heart, soul, mind and strength. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. We have been given a magnificent mandate in scripture by Jesus himself to go and make disciples. He says in Matthew 28, 19, 19 through 20, to go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's not enough. It's one thing for us to follow Jesus ourselves, it is a, it, but it's not enough. We are commanded in Scripture to go and make disciples. And more specifically for us ladies, what that means for us, there's another mandate in Titus 2 that I wanna talk about today that we are gonna be talking about. It's Titus 2, verses three through five. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and to train young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Okay, there's a lot. That's a lot. But we're going to unpack that today and what that means what that means for us as women. So Jesus said, go and make disciples. We're doing that. And women, we are to, we are called to disciple one another. So today, I want to encourage you to embrace this mandate. I want you to be encouraged because our culture lies to us. Our culture is going to tell us that once we've reached a certain age, and ladies, I'm talking to the mature ladies in the room right now, Um, Once you've reached a certain age, our culture lies and says that you're not relevant anymore, that you've lost your usefulness. But I'm going to say that Scripture says the opposite, and that's a lie from the enemy, because to the body of Christ, if you are following Jesus and you are making it a point to pursue him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you are more valuable to the body of Christ than ever before. And ladies, we need you. We need, our next generation needs you. And that is our calling and our mandate. And I want us to be encouraged. And so I've got some ladies here today that have taken this to heart. They live it out. They model this and they believe in this, and I see it in their lives being modeled every day. So, today I'm joined by my friends, Pam Duke from the Oconee Campus. Yeah. Coney Campus. I know y'all are cheering for her right now. We can't hear it, but we know you're cheering for Pam. So, Pam is married to Jeff, Jeff Duke. They have two grown children, and she models this example. She's, oh, she's an extraordinary baker too. So, if you need like cheesecakes, all the cakes, call Pam. She's amazing. Very talented. Lauren Generoski sitting next to her on the couch. I picked these two ladies because Lauren and Pam have a beautiful mentor relationship that we're going to be talking about today. Discipleship one-on-one. Lauren works with us on the discipleship team here at, at, uh, at Bethlehem Church. And she also pours out into middle schoolers, y'all. Give it up for Lauren. You know you're called by God when you want to hang out with middle schoolers. So, Lauren, thank you. And then, last but definitely not least, my friend Susan Litchford. Lauren has been, or um, I'm sorry, Susan has been a mentor to me, a mentor to many women on our staff, um, and many women in our church. And she models this Titus II, discipling women, training younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, and to follow Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. She's been married to Jim Litchford for 50, 54 years. And she has three beautiful grown daughters, and they're, uh, they're just a beautiful family and a gift to our church. So thank you, ladies, for joining me here on stage today. Let's dive in. So, Pam, tell us, we're going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about your mentoring journey, how that started, what that looks like
1: now, and and what what it means to you. So, I started uh, doing mentorship kind of by default. Um, Several years ago, I had been asked if I would mentor college students, and I've always had a heart for college students, uh, growing up, we had in our home what we called Adopt-a-Dog, and so we always had a college student from the University uh, of Georgia as one of our own. And so I saw my parents model that, uh, and it just became mm-hmm. in my heart, like, I wanted to do that. Uh, so several years ago, I was asked to mentor, and I kind of said, okay, I'll, I'll do it, and kind of reluctantly, and then I wasn't really sure it was going to happen anyways, um, mm-hmm. And first round, I didn't have anybody to mentor. Well, I got a call a couple of weeks after I was told there wasn't anybody, and a mentorship, just something didn't work with it, the timing, uh, when they could meet, and so I wound up uh, having a young college lady to mentor. Um, So we set up a time to meet, we met, and uh, we met probably for over an hour, and as i asked her, like, what do you want to get out of this? Because it was important for me to hear what she wanted, um, because I wanted to make sure that I was meeting her need. Um, And as she shared what she wanted to talk about first, I thought, huh, yeah, I'm in over my head. I'm so disqualified. Like, I I don't even know what to do with that. Um, And we'll just leave it at that, of what what she was asking about. I was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, I went home and I told Jeff, I said, I don't think I'm the right person. And he was like, yes, you are. And so uh, I just kept moving forward with it. Um, But, you know, Angela, I told you, we talked about this before. Like, I don't have a degree in theology. I don't have a, you know, bachelor's in religion. I haven't traveled the world to the Holy Land or anything like that. So um, basically all I had to go on was... The life of hard knocks that's where my degree came from um a degree of poor choices how many of us can
0: relate to that
1: (laughs) (laughs) a degree of just living in a broken world and sometimes really bad things happen to you and it wasn't your choice now i had both i had made poor choices early on and then also, just some bad things have happened um, in my life. Uh, I kind of relate to David in Psalms 27, where he talks about, "Lord, I, I love you. You're my refuge," and he and he's so he talks about his faith and how he just believes the Lord um, and that he's going to protect him, take care of him. And then David goes into this fear of, of just, I'm fearful. I'm being. Uh, pursued by my enemies, I don't know God. I don't, and He's questioning, and then we see Him flip back into, Lord, You are so faithful, and I am convinced that I'm going to see Your good in the land of the living, and that is my life. I I am pretty much uh, David and Peter rolled into one. Um, so again, I just felt completely unqualified. But what God has revealed to me is that was Satan trying to disqualify me because the Holy Spirit lives in me and, uh, that qualifies me. Uh, I cannot allow Satan to use my past and my mistakes and things that have happened to define me. The Lord alone defines me. That's right. And so because of that, I'm qualified. Uh, so fast forward, I mentored, her name was Lindsay for three years. Um, And she really became part of our family. And I just saw God in it, Um, just weaving this story. uh, And to try to make it really quick, in 2020, my son lost his senior year. It was really hard. Sorry. And um, he became part of the mentorship with Lindsay. Uh, He would come in and sit down at the table and we would talk and they got to know each other and Lindsay got to know Jeff. And so it really became a whole family mentorship. We still had our time together, but then to see what happened, Lindsay went to Boston um, on missions for the summer and she met this sweet little girl, Sophia. And Sophia and Lindsay got to know each other. Well, Sophia and my son are now dating. Uh, she's here <laughs> somewhere. And, but that like, I got to hear about Sophia from Lindsay. and then Garris and his friends got Lindsay brought them into the college ministry, and they all live in their little community together. And, and so it was just neat to see the blessing that I received, that my family received, because of saying yes to being obedient. Mm-hmm. I gave God my yes, and he took care of it. And that's what we're to yeah. do. Give him our yes. That's right. That's, right.
0: I, say that again, Pam. Say that.
1: I love that. I so, love that. we're to give God our yes, and he will take care of the rest. That's right. And I can't really take full credit for that. That's something Jasmine, Curtis, and I, we talk about and would tell our ladies in our small group, just give God your yes. Yeah. So for me, mentorship... Is really about being on mission for the Lord in a more intimate relationship, in a one-on-one. So we're always to be on mission, and you'll hear Miss Susan talk about that. But it's it's taking it deeper. Um, And I would just encourage you, like you're so going to get blessed from it, probably, and you're going to learn. Like I learned so much. These the younger generation, like they're my iron, and I get convicted. Um, And my life is completely different from it. And also just with Lauren. Um, God brought Lauren into our lives. She was in mine and Jasmine's small group. And that's how I started to get to know her. But then I started hearing things about Lauren. Not bad. Good things. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me qualify that. What are uh, these things? But just, you know, just things that Lauren was going through in her life. And my heart just hurt for Lauren. And I just wanted to bring her in and hug her and love her and um, and just tell her it's gonna be okay. Like, we are your family. Um, and I have to give credit to Jeff, too. Jeff does production, and he got to know Lauren because he does production for youth at the OC. And really, it's, it's a dual thing for us. And sometimes I think Jeff mentors Lauren and me. <laughs> like, I'm learning. <laughs> uh, but I just encourage you, it, it will change your life, it will change your family's life, and you are more than qualified if the holy spirit is living in you. That's right. I thank you, Pam. That's
0: awesome. And we always say here at Bethlehem Church that we want more for you than from you. And when God calls us to take that next step of obedience, that a lot of times we're fearful, we're we're afraid of how much it's going to require. But really what God is he he has this it's like he has this beautiful gift for us. And if we will just believe in his goodness, Trust in his kindness and trust that he has more for us than he wants from us, that the blessing is in serving and pouring out. And I love that you share that so well, that how much you've been blessed, not how much you've poured out and how much you've given and served and, and worked, because you've done that, but you've been blessed. And I love that. So you, you communicate that so well. So thank you. All right. So Lauren. Hey, Yeah, Lauren, tell us a little bit about your mentoring journey, how you've been poured into, and how you want to pour out to, how that makes you want to pour out to others.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, This is like such a big part of my testimony, is I was very much growing up someone who could have fallen through the cracks, and someone who should have fallen through the cracks, Um, but there were older women in the church who really loved me and invested in me, and I mean, when I was 12 years old, my dad was on drugs, it was just such a bad home situation and there was an older woman at the church who offered to pay for me to go to camp. Um, and they like, bought me school clothes and they would bring me lasagna and all these little things. And so that's what I always go back to when I think of mentoring now is I thought, it was having all the right answers and it was, you know, filling all these boxes. I mean, the super spiritual person, but really in my life, it has been people practically showing me the love of God um, and like his provision and his goodness and his kindness. And so now, as an adult, um, last year when my dad died, Pam and her husband Jeff just loved me so well in a way that I wasn't expecting. And so I felt so safe with them. And I felt like, you know, working at a church sometimes, and I'm sure some of you probably would also um, relate to this, but it feels sometimes like you need to have it all together. Um, But I never felt like that with them. I always felt like safe to be vulnerable and to be open because I knew how much they cared about me. And so now with me investing in teenagers, like that's what I keep going back to. Um, And I know everybody laughs like about, well, how could you work with middle schoolers, right? They're such a mess. They're so dramatic. They're so whatever, whatever, whatever. But in my mind, I'm like, what more reason what more reason is there, right? Like
1: they need someone more than anybody else. You know what I'm
2: saying? I love that. I love it. Thanks guys. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just thinking when I was 12 years old, I was going absolutely down the wrong path. And it was like these very small steps of kindness and these very like practical things that people did um, to invite me in and to care about me. And so in my mind now, I'm like, how much more can I do that for middle schoolers today? Like, they're learning who they are and who they think about the world and what they think about themselves. And so I think if you can convince them that Jesus loves them at 12 years old, it's going to change the trajectory of the rest of their life, you know? And that doesn't have to be middle school. That can be children's ministry or whatever yeah. it is. I just feel very passionate about middle school. Um, and another thing that always makes me laugh is people say, well, what if I don't have all the answers? Like, what if, I just, what if they ask a crazy question? like Pam was saying, and I don't know what to say. Um, but I'm not trying to like, teach them that I know all the answers and they need to go to me for the answers. Yes. I don't know half of the, like, the answers to half the questions they ask, but I say, well, how, how can we do this? Like, how can we figure this out? What are the steps that we would take? If you're at home and you're studying your Bible and you have the same question, what would we do? And so um, that's what I really try to teach them and instill in them is, like, I'm going to be there for you but I don't have all the answers, but we'll walk through the steps together to get to the answer. And so I think a lot of times in mentoring, people think, well, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm a mess, I'm whatever, whatever, whatever. But um, I think that just shows and models even more what, what we're supposed to do, how, how we're supposed to uh, model Christ and live our life and stuff. That's right, thank you. That's, yes, yes.
0: So, uh, Lauren, first two things. The first thing is that you talked about how just how someone pouring into you in middle school, um, how it, it completely changed the trajectory of your life. Yeah. And now you serve, you are in, in ministry, and that is your vocation. And so that it just, to me, it speaks volumes about the impact that you can have on a young person's life. As a small group leader, um, as a, you know, serving at midweek on Wednesdays, um, leading middle schoolers, leading in in midtown, kid town, any of these places where you can jump in and serve and have an impact on someone's life, you never know what that's going to do and how long-term... What what that's going to end up leading them to do? They could lead a, a you know full time ministry, or or um, or be it you know decide to follow Jesus as a career, or sorry that sounded terrible. <laughs> <laughs> decide to follow Jesus as a life, as as a living, and and that's what they want to do and pursue that. So anyway, also I want to um, just stop and say too. A lot of times where we are poured into, um, kind of the age that. That where our lives shifted. Um, I know for Lauren it was middle school. For me it was college in 20s. Uh, I was 19 years old, and I came to know Jesus when I was 19. I was a freshman at UGA, and so now I, I see kind of this pattern too. It's like where where is your heart? It's it sometimes follows where where the age where you came to know Jesus. So that age where you came to know Jesus may be the the heart of the age group that you um, that that you have a heart for. So. Yeah.
2: I also add one more thing. Yeah, go for it. um, Another thing that people tell me all the time is I just don't have time. I just don't have time. I just don't have time. And um, our campus pastor, Jeremy, has this great thing when he talks about groups that, like, if you don't have time, that is a thousand times more reason for you to make time because you're going to look back on your life in 20 years and be like, I never made time for this. Like, your life's not going to get any less busy, you know? Um, And so something that I tell the middle schoolers a lot is, like, who do you want to be in five years or who do you want to be in 10 years? And I want you to picture that person and what steps are you taking to get there because it's not just going to magically happen you're not going to wake up in five years and like be this mentor or be this super spiritual person but like what steps what practical i always say action steps are you taking to get to that point so if it's mentorship like what steps are you taking now to get to that point because you have you have to carve out time you have to make time otherwise you're going to look back in 20 years and realize your whole life went by you you know yeah
0: yeah, that's good. And also one more thing, that when we, um, when we are called to disciple, this call to disciple one another, a lot of times, Lauren, you said this beautifully, that that we feel like we've got to have all these answers. And uh, Pam, you said this too. I don't have a theology degree. I don't have a, a Bible seminary degree. I, all of these things that you can think of and, and give yourselves excuses and reasons not to But the one thing, the one thing that we can do, that all of us can do, if we're following Jesus, we can point others to him. That's it. That's what discipleship is, is following Jesus ourselves, making sure that we're first doing that, and also pointing others to him in all that we do. And that's it. That's discipleship simplified. So, Miss Susan, how are you doing over there? (laughs) I'm right. about,
3: uh, I'm not going to sleep. I'm just all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wide
0: awake,
2: I promise.
0: <laughs> oh, Miss Susan, we love you. Okay. Okay, first of all, I just have to stop and say, y'all remember Martha from our last, our last um, podcast that we did, our last woman's breakfast? That's her mama. So, so the jokes and the wisecracks—they run in the family. So, uh, so get ready. All right. So, Miss Susan, you—you've mentored a lot. You've done this for many years. And so, talk a little bit about that. Talk about you. We have time for you to talk about your journey with mentoring, how it started, and what it looks like.
3: Um, I'll be glad to.
0: You know, I got
3: ready for this morning. I thought, uh, well, actually, last night, I decided, you know, I'm going to be talking tomorrow. Maybe I need to work out. So so I haven't worked out in about four years. (laughs) So I did about ten Uh, bicep curls, (laughs) I thought those five-pound weights were going to kill me. (laughs) But I feel ready. I feel ready.
0: I can tell. I can totally tell.
3: (laughs) I actually gave my life to Jesus when I was about 12 years old. A friend invited me to um, her church, and it was hellfire and damnation preaching. And all I knew was, I was not going to hell, (laughs) so I was like, hmm, heaven is a good option, and I'm giving my life to you, Jesus, (laughs) so that's when it all started, I'm so glad, Uh, Paul said he doesn't care how Christ is preached, just as long as Christ is preached, so that's that's how I came to the Lord, and it's okay with me, I'm in. At about 29 years old, we have lots of encounters with the Lord all throughout our lives. You all can testify to that. I had another one at 29 years old. And at that point, I just was like, hmm, I want more.
0: Hmm.
3: I want more of God than I've had up to this point. So I did a deep dive. And I said, Lord, I'm all yours, and you're all mine. And I just dove into the Word of God. I could not get enough of the Word of God. And I remember that I was going to uh, pray. Uh, I was going to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and I was going to pray like all these other girls around me that were mentoring me prayed like for an hour or two hours. I got up at six o'clock, I prayed my heart out. I had my Bible open, I opened my eyes, and thought, oh wow, and it was (laughs)
0: 6.10.
3: So that's how I started. And they wanted me to work with the children at church. And I was like, I don't do children. I do youth but I did children. And that's where I started mentoring Mm. with the second grade girls. Yeah, That was my first mentoring. I love it. And so as time went on, I, I ended up leading Bible studies. And my husband and I started doing something called flocks in the early 80s. And they are what we now call small groups. We offered our home. That was another step our home, and somebody else led it. So along that journey, I would say that um, what is the one thing that I would say to all of us and to me today, and that is we all hear God. There are no superstars. The Word of God says that when we receive Christ, all of God takes up residence in our spirit. The master of the universe who created the earth and holds the whole universe in place by his power, boom, right in us when we receive Christ. All of him. And we all hear him. We all hear him. But there's a little bit more to that story.
0: (laughs) Yes. So... When you, I love that, one of the things that you, and you've taught me so, so many things. Um, When you mentored me, I I felt stuck. And how many of you ladies have ever felt stuck in your lives? Every single one of us at some point, at some point has felt stuck. And so I remember going to Susan and just asking her, Why do I feel stuck? And she knew immediately what it was. And she shared with me, you shared with me, the parable of the unforgiving servant. And it changed my life. So what is this one thing that you see in all of your years of mentoring across the board? What is the one thing? It's kind of a common thread when you see people who are stuck. What is that?
3: Right. I love this. I'm about to share my most favorite thing in my whole life with Jesus. Y'all are about to get it. <laughs> the Lord opened my eyes to see. Well, number one, I said to God, every time I prayed, he was distant. He was way out there. Mm. And so by this time, I'm 43. And so one day I just sat down and I said, what is wrong with us? When other people pray, you're right there. When I pray, you're out there. Let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. You're not close to me. What is wrong with us? You and me, God. And that's when he showed me what I'm going to tell you in a nutshell. Jesus came for one main reason, and that is that we could be forgiven. And when he takes residence in me, and he displays himself in my life magnificently, it's going to be in forgiveness. But I asked God, I said, I know I have sinned, but let's just say I've been learning the Bible all those years and doing the Bible. Mm. So when it came to me having unforgiveness, I was like, and then then I said to myself and to God, there is no way that's true. I know the Bible. I know there's sin in me, and I cannot tell you one sin I have. And I said, Lord, I'm blind. I cannot see. Show me me. Mm. And he did. I started taking communion every day. (laughs) That is the truth. I didn't make that up. That's how rough it was. So to the parable of the unforgiving servant, you know, Peter said to Jesus, how many times do we have to forgive? Seven? So Peter's like, I just made an A. Because seven is the number of completeness Mm -hmm. in the scriptures. And so then Jesus goes, actually 70 times seven. That is to infinity of forgiving. And so Jesus said, listen, it's like this. It's like this. There was a king who had a servant who owed him, and we'll just say, the equivalent of a billion. Mm -hmm. And the king calls the debt in. Well, he's gonna sell his family into slavery, he's going to liquidate all the man's assets, and he still can't satisfy that billion dollar debt. And so the king says, the guy goes down on his knees, and he says, oh, please just give me a chance, I'll pay you back. And the king goes, I just forgive the debt. You don't have to pay me back. Obviously, this servant does not have much money. He sees his fellow servant that owes him maybe a couple hundred thousand. I mean, it's a pretty good debt. He doesn't go over to him, Jesus said. He doesn't go over to the servant and say, You know, I can't buy groceries for my family And I know you owe me all that money, but could I just have a couple hundred dollars back? No, he didn't do that. Mm. He went over to that guy that owed him. He put his hands around his throat, and he started choking him, Jesus says, and he starts saying, pay me what you owe me. Well, that guy goes on his knees, says the same words this guy just said to the king, and this guy looks at him, has him thrown in prison. Yeah. So the rest of the servants make sure, this is what Jesus is saying, make sure that that king finds out about the, that servant not forgiving this guy's debt. And so the king calls him in and he says, you know, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt, and you would not forgive your fellow servant. So he handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed. And then Jesus says this, And such will it be for you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Well, I remember back in the 80s sitting there thinking, trying to forgive from my heart.
1: I was like, I don't
3: know how to forgive from my heart. Sharon called me and she said, Susan, what does that scripture mean? I said, Sharon, I don't know what that (laughs) means. But in my 40s, boom, I knew what it meant. Mm. My dad traveled. Our mom was abusive. And it felt to me like he left us three kids at home alone with no protection. I didn't know I held it against him, but at 43 years old, I knew I did. I knew I had my hands around my dad's throat. And I was holding that debt against my dad. He owed me that. He owed me that protection. He owed us not going through that. He owed it to us. He was a father, but he was distant. He was on the road. Y'all are getting it, aren't you? (laughs) What was my view of God? Distant. When I tried to talk to God, I felt like I couldn't hear him. I was assigning God character based on my experience with my earthly dad. That's hitting some of y'all right now. That's hitting you. You're realizing you think you don't hear God and he's talking to all of us. There are no superstars. We're all his kids. That was where I was stuck. And some of you are stuck right there. Mm. Somebody has hurt you. Somebody has crushed you, especially church people. People talk about church hurt. Oh, girls. (laughs) (laughs) What's the church full of? What Pam said. What Pam said. (laughs) All the stuff we messed up and then all the stuff that was done to us, and then we bring it right into the church. And then we hurt somebody, and we don't even know they hurt them, and then they got church hurt at us. (laughs) (laughs) This is forgiveness, friends. Yes. This is the real thing. This This is the gospel in shoe leather. And when this mess goes, and basically all I did was I went, Oh, Lord. Oh, God. I said, I can't love my dad. And he said, well Susan, you love all these other people. You love her and him and them and you minister down in the projects in Atlanta. You love everybody. He's just a man. And then God said to me in my heart, I'm your daddy. Yes, yes. So I said this to God, I said, oh, I realized, oh gosh, my dad's just a person and he's flawed and he doesn't, he doesn't have everything I need, but my daddy, my daddy, my daddy. And I said to God, I said, yes, yes, I can love my earthly dad. Just like that, I said that. I said, I take my hands off of his throat. Mm. Debt cancelled. He owes me nothing. That's right. That's You're right. You're my everything. And in that moment, guess who came near? Who wasn't really far in the first place?
1: <laughs>
3: God. Woo. God came near. <laughs> so I would just say, whoever it is that God just showed you, mm that you got your hands around their throat. Uh, Let's just do this real quickly. Just repeat after me. Dear God. Dear God. I see. I see. That I have my hands around. That I have my hands around. And then just silently say the person's name. (laughs) They might be beside you. So, (laughs) silently, now say, I let them go.
0: I let them go.
3: I repent. I repent. Of being their judge.
0: Of being their judge.
3: Their jury.
0: Their jury. And their jailer. And their jailer. And
3: I take the key to the jail cell I've had them locked in.
0: And I take the key to the jail cell I had them locked
3: in. I unlock the door.
0: Unlock the door, and I
3: give you the key.
0: And I give you the key.
3: I'm going to pray over you, in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Walk out of that prison, because the jailer has to stay in the jail with the one they've got locked up. Mm. Mm. And whoever God shows you from this day forward that you're holding something against, just pray that prayer. Let yeah. them go. Yeah. Somebody cuts over you in traffic. I forgive them. (laughs) And I pray in Jesus' name that they come into a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes. Isn't
0: that good, y'all? Y'all aren't stuck. (laughs) That's right. So when I, Susan, that, that, Picture, I'll never forget it, when she shared that parable of the unforgiving servant, and I'd read that so many times, but it was just the right time, the Holy Spirit, I don't know why it was, but that anointing, because you've, you've experienced it. You've had the breakthrough in your life. Right. And so you're, you are qualified to teach that. Yes. so you can't
3: be bitter and have love, love flow through you at the same That's time. Right. So the bitterness has to go. Yeah. So you can be love. You can walk in Publix and be love. I say, Lord, I'm going to Publix. Somebody's about to get blessed. That's right. No, I'm serious. So one night, it took me an hour and a half to get six items.
0: No, that's the truth.
3: I got to the produce and I said, don't tell that girl her hair is cute, don't do it, don't do it. And I reached down for a potato, looked to my right, and she was standing right there. So I said, your hair sure is cute.
0: And that's all it took, that's all it took. (laughs) But I'll never forget that image of my hands being on someone's throat and just letting them go. And sometimes, ladies, that walk through forgiveness and unforgiveness, sometimes you have to do it. How many times a day? Well, I would say we always are going to be
3: tempted to be bitter, yeah. and it doesn't come from God. Yeah. All the attacks that come against us are from Satan, and if you don't believe in him, bless your heart. <laughs> All the ugly, the mean, the evil, is from the enemy. Mm-hmm. God is good. He loves us consummately. Yeah. So what he does is Satan comes against us and tries to destroy us and he goes, I'm gonna take that stuff and I'm gonna use it for good. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening when we respond, not out of bitterness, hate, revenge, or just looking down on somebody like, I'm never gonna marry a man that travels. Looking down. When we don't do that, when we forgive, Mm -hmm. then we are being equipped for rulership. Rulership now. Yes. Not when we go to heaven. Now we rule now. Yes. It's worth giving up our rights to hate. It's worth giving up our rights to
0: not forgive. It's worth it. Rule. Now. So we are representatives, we are ambassadors for Christ, and that is how we walk. We walk with one another, accountable to each other, and we just want to, we, we know it's already happening. We see it happening already in, in the body, and we see women discipling women. We have women who are small group leaders. We have women who are mentors who act in that role, and they, they, they are following that command, so we just wanted to encourage you that if you feel compelled or called, like, hey, maybe God is speaking to me about this. Maybe he's calling me to lead women in a small group or, or, a, or an even small, smaller group, calling me to disciple one-on-one or in a mentor relationship. We want to come alongside of you and equip you. So first of all, I challenge you to pray pray and ask God, what are you asking me to do? What is is my next step? What is my next step of obedience? So pray and ask God, is there someone that you are calling me to disciple? And this is really not, there's no magic in this. It really is quite simple. Like there's somebody that will come across your path and you keep seeing them or somebody that God will bring to mind. Hey, Invite that person out for coffee, just just invite them have, and take them out to lunch. Invite someone to read a U version Bible study with you, y'all. That's so like you don't even have to see them face to face if you want to do it that way. You can you can invite someone. Hey, do this Bible study with me on U version. I'd love to read scripture with you. Well, what an incredible time that we had together uh, at our women's breakfast and our live podcast recording with Susan, Pam, and Lauren. I hope you were blessed by that as much as we were. And we want to encourage you again uh, that we we need each other. We need one another to disciple each other, to lead each other, to point each other to Jesus. And so if you are interested in mentoring and that one-on-one discipleship that we talked about you can text BC Mentor to ninety seven thousand, or if you want to jump in and serve, lead a small group like Lauren, uh, and get involved in student ministry, text Serve BC to ninety seven thousand. So again, that's BC Mentor to ninety seven thousand or SERVEBC. BC, and we will help you find where you uh, want to get plugged in. So we would love to help you along with that. Uh, we'll also provide all of that information in the show notes. For this podcast episode, and again, email email us with any questions that you have to uh, Beyond Sunday at Church.us. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless. See you next time.